Hi there, I'm Jenna Worsham. Um, I'm a stage director and an activist and the co-creator of The Homebound Project. I am Patty McMullen. I am a playwright and I also write film and television and I am the co-creator of The Homebound Project. Well, The Homebound Project, it's a new independent theater initiative that Katya and I started. We're bringing together established and emerging American playwrights to write for some wonderful actors in an effort to create new theater that is raising money for kids around the country who are suffering from hunger, who are also being deeply affected by school closures and COVID-19. So we partnered with the incredible No Kid Hungry and all proceeds for all tickets go to No Kid Hungry. You just heard Jenna Warsham, who along with playwright Katja McMullen created The Homebound Project. And this is Artworks, the weekly podcast from the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed. We know this is a bad time for theater, with performances shut down and people on both sides of the curtain out of work. But for Jenna Warsham and Katja McMullen, there was also a sense of not being able to contribute what they do best to help during the pandemic. So they put their heads together and created the Homebound Project where playwrights write a short, essentially one-person theatrical piece for an actor to perform on camera. And as you heard, all proceeds go to No Kid Hungry. And Katja and Jenna have gathered some extraordinary talent. Homebound playwrights like C.A. Johnson, Michael R. Jackson, Migdalia Cruz, and Sarah Rule have all contributed work while sheltering actors like David Diggs, Diane Lane, Blair Underwood, Philippa Sue, and Sherry Jones have all performed. And believe me, I'm just skimming the surface of the talent involved, because the Hometown Project is currently presenting its fourth series online. It runs from July 15th through the 19th, with the fifth and final edition to stream August 5th through the 9th. So this amounts to over 50 new plays written and performed in the past few months, with everyone donating their services to feed hungry children. I spoke to Jenna Worsham and Katja McMullen at the end of May, and I'll let them fill you in on how this wonderful project came to be. We'll begin with Jenna, with some nuts and bolts describing the format of each homebound project edition. So, so essentially it's 10 to 11 writers write two to five minute pieces for 10 to 11 actors for each series. So each performance, so to speak, runs about 70 to 80 minutes. Uh, we include an intermission and there's usually a special guest. Three editions have already streamed. The, the first edition, which had a theme, which was home, was May 6th through the 10th. Uh, the second edition, the theme or prompt for the writers that time was sustenance. And then um, the theme for the third series is champions. And you've set the bar fairly low for an audience member to have access. It's a minimum donation of $10. Mm -hmm. People are certainly encouraged to give more because, as you said, all the money goes to No Kid Hungry. But $10 gives you access. Katja, go ahead. I mean, one of the things, so many of our friends are out of work right now, and we wanted this to be an accessible experience. And also by giving $10, that actually makes a huge difference in this fight, you know, and that we really wanted it to be an accessible experience. And we also sort of hoped that 
that the project would inspire those who were comfortable and able to give more. And we've, we've found that they have actually. And so we trusted in the generosity. We sort of had a blind trust in the generosity of our audiences. And we've really found that that's really come to life. And also we wanted this to be sort of as open and accessible as possible. Jenna. Yeah. And that's the exciting thing I think about where theater is right now is that, you know, it is a bit of an equalizer when things are put online in this way, you know, it becomes more accessible to not, it's not your typical off-Broadway or Broadway crowd, which I think is very exciting about what we're doing and what other theaters are doing and making available. It would defeat the spirit of what we are, you know, like this is, this is not about the exclusivity and elitism that theater can be. It's about the most important thing about theater, which is, you know, the sharing of stories and the breeding of empathy and the spreading of hope. People need theater right now. And we want to make sure they all get it. How did this take shape, Katja? How did it move from a great idea to a full-fledged project? The answer is, it was quick, fast, and furious. <laughs> I mean, it started with a conversation with Jenna on her porch and me in my backyard, where we both felt completely useless. And we both sort of really realized that we are just uh, two artists sitting at home, and that our jobs were to stay at home. And so creatively, the model that we're using um, is artistically came loosely from a variety show series that, that I used to do in New York. And then really it was, we picked an organization and made a couple phone calls. And suddenly our creative producer, Mary Solomon, who's a film producer who I work with, had us on a Zoom with Billy Shore, the executive director of No Kid Hungry. And really then also creatively, it was we made a few phone calls and, and all of the artists involved, almost everybody has said yes. It's obviously like been a really huge undertaking, but simultaneously, people have been so excited and moved to just A, be creative and B, to be creative towards such an incredible cause that, that a lot of it has just been, we called a couple friends and uh, suddenly we are where we are. Yeah, it really did. I mean, I'll tap onto that a little bit. It snowballed. Like Katya was saying, I was sitting on my porch laughing. We were laughing at ourselves because, um, you know, there's, I think there's nothing like a crisis and a pandemic to, you know, help artists realize how very self-centered what we do is and not necessarily in a bad way. You know, I think that introspection is really important for art making and in the theater as well. And in fact, it's what enables an audience when they come to a show to then be introspective as well. You know, it's not a bad thing. But I told Katya on the phone, I said, I've realized I'm not a fireman or a surgeon or an essential worker. I'm just someone who makes stories about those people. And so in a time of actual crisis, I feel pretty useless. So we laughed about that. And then we literally, we just thought, well, is there a way to do what we do best? Is there a way to make stories right now that can also help people on the front line, people who are essential, who are making a difference? You know, can we do what we do best and tell great stories with really talented people? Because we are in a community that is very small, you know, the theater community, especially, everybody knows one another. And while, you know, Katja and I think would definitely be categorized as more like younger emerging artists, we happen to have access because of collaborations and relationships to some really incredible, great voices of the American theater and also to incredible actors in the American theater. And you never really know until you ask. So like she said, once once No Kid Hungry really showed a lot of enthusiasm for the idea, we just started sending emails, not really knowing what to expect. And 
the really moving thing was one by one, we realized, oh, this is something that it's not just us who are feeling this way. A lot of artists are really wanting to help right now and make a difference in a way that they feel like they can. Everybody involved is just a smoke, whether you're an audience member, whether you're an actor, whether we have volunteer designers, everybody is a small part of a greater whole making a difference. And it has really kind of united both us creatively and simultaneously audiences literally around the world where A, we're sinking into the same kind of conversations. And also one of the things that we've seen as these editions have emerged is that each edition, the playwrights really do speak to what's happening emotionally and spiritually in the country in that, like, you know, where we are now versus where we were two weeks ago, it's totally different. And what we're finding is that there's an emerging kind of conversation and an artistic time capsule, really. Like, and that has also helped bring people together, which is in a time where we're all supposed to be physically separate for safety. One of the homebound playwrights who also Jenna happens to be married to. Which is the playwright Lucy Thurber. <laughs> always likes to say that after food and shelter, we need stories so we know we're not alone. Like that's been part of our mission is to commission writers who, who tell the truth and commission writers and, and actors who, who are the voices that we sort of long to hear from right now. You know, these are the playwrights and these are the actors who I kind of look to in times of personal crisis throughout my life, but also now in the middle of this global pandemic. Like so many of these writers are the writers who I've turned to. And so it's been this incredibly moving experience yeah, it's deeply motivating. And I think, you know, we dreamed of the project having like, like Katya said, kind of a multi-layered agenda of sustenance. First and foremost, it's helping feed kids around the country who now more than ever are not getting what they need, especially while schools are closed, but also providing sustenance to artists who, you know, what, what we do is all about the act of gathering and to be denied that is to be gutted artistically. So, you know, imagining this new virtual and cerebral place where we can still gather, where an actor can still collaborate with a writer, et cetera, and a costume designer can still collaborate with an actor, et cetera. And then lastly, that final ingredient of theater, like also hopefully providing some sustenance to a hungry audience, right, who is looking for these kinds of stories and is looking to find something that reflects the state of the nation emotionally and otherwise, um, as Katya said. Yeah, these stories are immediate. Yeah, exactly. How did you pair the playwrights and the actors? What was that process like? A lot of spreadsheets. <laughs> We've actually put a lot of thought and care into our, into our playwright and actor pairings. We really tried to match actors and writers whose voices we found to be really compatible, who we thought it was a really interesting combination. Some were really natural. Some writers and, and playwrights came together as a package deal. It's really varied, but what we have done is a lot of who would be the best amplification of your voice. Or I think one of the things that I find is writing for an actor specifically, because these are custom tailored to these actors, what I do as a writer is I'm writing them a gift. It is a thing that is special that is for them. It's collaborative, right? It's deeply collaborative. And that's something that's so important about theater in general. I got to write for Amanda Seyfried, and who I'm such a huge fan of, but it was like, what is it that I don't usually get to see her do? Like, where do I think that she's special, you know? And in that, there was a really interesting 
collaboration that happened that was just really fun. But the pairings have come in all sort of shapes and sizes. Michael R. Jackson, who who just won the Pulitzer, wrote a beautiful monologue for Diane Lane. Well, and it was just beautiful for us to imagine, you know, his voice and her voice coming together in that way. And I think as curators of the whole thing, we've actually had a lot of fun. I mean, I, w- I won't lie, it's a lot of work, but I think artistically Katya and I have just been really honored and thrilled to be making these pairings and deciding on the lineup and sort of producerial things that go into running an organization, which is very new for us. <laughs> well, Jenna, you directed a few of these. Tell me the process of directing virtually. Oh, listen, it's different. But another thing that's wonderful about the Homebound Project is that it's, you know, it's a little more one-on-one. So, you know, I've done a few workshops since I had a show off-Broadway that got shut down in March, like so many other artists in the city. So, you know, was out of work and was starting to get these offers of like, do you want to do this virtual workshop, et cetera, and was very grateful for the work and was also, I think, really like a lot of directors kind of disheartened by the the great chasm that is Zoom and, and how different it is. It was hard. But this... I think because the intentions behind it are obviously about feeding kids and about creating something in an empty space, you know, that there was no formula for what it had to be. We just knew we wanted it, that the, we wanted the bones of this to feel like theater, right? To feel live, to feel like recorded theater as opposed to film, something that was meant to be live. And going with that impulse and allowing theater artists to kind of run with it, it's taken so many unique forms. Like I feel like a lot of the different writers I've worked with and actors I've worked with, we've all sort of imagined it differently. I think it's the uniqueness of each piece that somehow makes it all work, you know, that we're not trying to be like one cohesive thing, that it's it's really a collection of very different voices talking about the same thing, you know, talking about home or sustenance, etc. And how does all of their unique theatrical brains interpret that phrase has been like part of what's, I think, really exciting about it. But I've really enjoyed it. I think it's been wonderful just to get to work, to get to dig into a text. I always find myself that our rehearsals go longer than we planned because the writers and the actors and I are just so hungry for it and are having a great time just making theater, you know, in in the only way I think that we can right now. It's been a beautiful thing to watch sort of not directing. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) It's theater, but simultaneously... we're not making films, you know, and it's this sort of in-between place. You know, some people say it really, really feels like theater. And I feel like we are sort of making theater, but simultaneously, it's also not. It's this very kind of specific and unique form where it's written to be theater. And it's what I've watched Jenna capture so beautifully is the intimacy that comes with that comes with live theater is a thing that is that is deeply captured. These pieces are written to be done in one take for the most part. They're written to be done to capture what is most inspiring and we find sort of connection-based about theater. And I've seen our directors really do this beautifully, is trying to capture the spirit of what theater is. Ultimately, theater is the most adaptable form, right? What I've really seen the artists do in really exciting ways is is expand the places a play can go. It's actually the, the limitations a lot of the time actually inspire the most expansive creativity. It's been really exciting. Theater's been through plagues in the past and, and has reemerged, but I think it's clear 
as the country thinks about reopening, that the performing arts are exceptionally vulnerable for a number of reasons. Social distancing in theaters is economically unfeasible, and theaters tend to operate on very tight budgets with very, very little wiggle room. And I'm wondering how you two are seeing this. Jenna. Yeah, to be honest with you, it's really scary. I think what's what's helpful is theater people are nothing if not innovative. Literally, what we do is we take an empty space and we imagine something in it that was not there before. So this is in our wheelhouse. I think I said this earlier, but what's gutting about it is that the locus of our universe is the act of gathering. It's that act. It's an action. And when you take that away, I do think we're having a bit of an identity crisis because we don't quite know who we are and what we are. But theaters are figuring it out. I mean, I think, you know, from where we started when this was just an idea to now, the the amount of content that's coming out of all these wonderful theaters, you know, off-Broadway and around the country, great regional theaters, are A, like providing work for artists and B, you know, making it available to audiences in ways that are, you know, I think really exceptional, particularly to audiences that they may not have gotten had it been in a literal space, you know, had a performance just been, you know, sort of their normal way. You know, like I said, it's an equalizer and I think in exciting ways. Does that mean that it's the same? No, I think I'm longing to be in a room with people. I think that the part of the power of theater is the the transference of, of empathy that must be in person, you know? So obviously I'm hoping we recover and come back. It's just, for me, it's a question of what we do in the meantime. And, you know, for us, I think that's ended up being this. And I think what artists need right now is, is to find ways to feel like they can continue to tell stories and continue <laughs> their vocation and make a living. And that's just going to require a lot of imagination, I think. I often wonder how people are supporting themselves because it's hard enough to earn a living in the theater in the best of times. And these are not the best of times. And not only are theaters closed, but restaurants are closed. And that's typically job number two. Yeah, it's so true. I was a waitress for many years before I started getting regular work. Yeah, as a director. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are applying for these kind of these artist grants, it's it's difficult, but I think that, you know, Actors' Equity, SDC, et cetera, are stepping up and trying to help membership in a way that's essential and wonderful. And I also think if there's anything a theater artist is used to doing, it's not knowing how they're going to make a living. I mean, it's really, to, you know, sometimes it feels like a career and sometimes it's a beautiful full-time calling that I have devoted my life to and I pay to be a part of, basically. But I think that we're in a place where everybody across so many different fields are struggling. And it's just like theater artists are one one industry that's deeply struggling. And honestly, like we're used to it. So on, on one hand, there is a slight advantage, but like, is it terrifying? Absolutely. But I also think everybody's scared right now. But perhaps terrifying in a way too, speaking strictly of theater, is that it is, again, the act of gathering. So I do feel there is sort of an ominous nature to when will it be back? How long will it take for us to feel safe in a theater again? You know, a Broadway house with over 500 seats? Are you kidding me? That part is pretty daunting. I have, I for one, I've had, um, I think, four productions now that have been, you know, officially postponed or canceled. Gosh, that's a lot. I'm sorry. Yeah. In the Homebound Project, you're marrying civic engagement with your creativity and with your skills. 
And I wonder if the project is also having you rethink working virtually until things open up again. Are you re-examining that way of working? Katja, let's start with you. I mean, it definitely opened my eyes about some of the other theater development that I want to do in the coming year. I mean, again, I think as theater artists, we're deeply, deeply adaptable. And so I'm excited to see what innovation comes next. I feel like we're in a really interesting and exciting phase. But really, I think what I've seen most and what's been what's given me the most hope is how much the artists that I know and love just want to find a way to be creative and connect. And I feel like that spirit is what drives what we do. And so, yeah, it's definitely made me think about how I can adapt as a playwright in this time and how I can sort of use the resources to work on things that I wouldn't necessarily have worked on. A lot of these limitations can be freeing like anything else in theater. Yeah, I've always been very, you know, just sort of strictly theater in my young career. And Patch has always said to me, I think you would really enjoy film and television. And I was like, sure, if I ever want to make money, I will definitely look into that. And I've been forced to in some ways, I've been forced to really understand this medium in a way I never have had to before. And it's been really educational. And it's a new skill set, too. Like some of the writers we're working with don't write for film and television, too. So it's it's different for them as well to sort of see their work like captured in this way in a way that's not strictly archival, you know, like it's not something that's just going to be in the Lincoln Center Library. This is streaming for four days, like around the world. That's exciting because that's about access. I think Katya and I both identify as arts activists and it's usually some level of access and representation that layers into our work in general. And I think what's, you know, what's exciting is that this is a time where those things are even more important. So why not learn? Why not redefine your limitations as an artist and what defines what theater is? What surprised you by doing this? Was there a surprise from this project you just didn't see coming? Katja. Joe, we've raised a lot more money than we thought we were going to. And now we have like bigger goals and are able to make an impact with partnering with No Kid Hungry that we just could not have imagined when we were laughing on, you know, our couch and porch respectively, right? I think the biggest shock for me has been a, the overwhelming generosity of these artists, some of whom are my great heroes, and the response nationally and globally to the project has just been so deeply moving and has made me feel so connected. Yeah, I think there's a lesson in it of like, you know, just because you feel like something's taken from you doesn't mean that you don't get to find a way to have it back. Somebody took my theater away, literally, right? The play I was directing, it's it's gone. It shut down. I had no choice. None of us did. I lost a job, right? The play never opened. It was it was years of work that just went into something that just halted, right, in the face of this crisis. Just because that was taken from me doesn't mean it didn't matter. And if that's the case, then why can't we make something that matters now? It's clear to us from the people who, who are saying yes, that even though the schools are empty, the theaters are empty, like, I mean, it sounds corny, but like our hearts are not, you know, and our imaginations are not. So let's redefine the playing space. Let's redefine the act of gathering. And let's do so, you know, I think for a higher purpose that's fundamental to what theater is about, which is helping humanity, I think. You just heard director Jenna Warsham and playwright Katja McMullen, co-creators of The Homebound Project. The fourth edition of The Homebound Project is streaming online. It began at 7 p.m. on Wednesday, July 15th, 
and will last until 7 p.m. on Sunday, July 19th. View at Home tickets are on sale at homeboundtheater.org, and that's theater with an E-R. And there are complimentary viewings for first responders and essential workers. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. Subscribe to Artworks and leave us a rating on Apple. It helps people to find us. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Stay safe, and thanks for listening.